everybody. Welcome to BAMcast Extra. It's episode 145. Yeah, numbers. I'm Chuck. And I'm Harlow. And we're back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a movie about a man who did not have one 45. He had multiple 45s. Lots of 45s and other, <laughs> some 33s. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was a special occasion. We didn't have a poll this week. We wanted to watch uh, the brand new Netflix movie, Dolomite Is My Name. Yeah. Yeah, we had to wait till October, October was over officially mm-hmm. and uh, get this as to you as soon as possible. Yes. It was relevant to the BAFCast interests. Yeah, we uh, we are, I, I don't want to say experts on Rudy Ray Moore, but we have seen his uh, theatrical catalog. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we know a few things. Yeah. We've been around the block, at least. Uh-huh. Even uh, if we didn't live on the block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie does not feature any monkey monkey hustle, so five bags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're out. Okay. <laughs> no, this is primarily about what got him to making the first original Dolomite movie. Yep. Um, and then not so much after it. It's just mentioned, like, yeah, they made some other things. It is. There are allusions to other Rudy Barrymore movies. Right. Like, there, you know, there is a conversation that happens at some point where he's like, Talking about exorcisms and devils and stuff, and it's like, oh well, put that in later. I know what movie that is. Yeah. Um. Also, just kind of skipping ahead, so there are some scenes in this that they are filming a movie that are not in the Dolomite movie. They are in the Human Tornado. <laughs> okay. Uh. So they just kind of, as these movies do, they they rewrite history a little bit right. to make it more of a a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh. This is written by the two guys who do these kinds of movies a lot. Uh, they did Ed Wood and The People versus Larry Flint and, you know, those those 90s true life, here's a compelling story about weirdos. Yeah. I mean, I could see that this might have been a script that was sitting around for a while, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe just waiting for... Well, no, Rudy Ray Moore's been dead for a while, hasn't Maybe, he? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, probably not one of those where it's just like, ah, it'd be easier to make when they're not around to challenge it. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know what prompted this. Right. It, it doesn't seem like anything technically would have sure the movie sure. doesn't have something to say that seems in any way relevant to 2019 but it just seems like netflix is paying people to make movies yeah. <laughs> and so here's a movie yeah um, this movie is also a little bit of a time capsule because out from at least the 90s pop two people giving a performance that you've Unlike you, ha- you haven't seen as good of uh, since the nineties. Yeah, uh, really, <laughs> because yeah. Uh, that would be Eddie Murphy and uh, Wesley Snipes. Yes, both who have just, well, they've not completely disappeared. I mean, Wesley disappeared for a, a little while, um, but he, he was incarcerated. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> until the Expendables broke him out of jail, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I believe that was a true life story. That was a documentary. That, that was real footage. Yeah, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, even though they've been around, you've not seen them perform like this. No. If you had told me earlier in 2019 that in 2019 there would be a Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes movie that I would be thrilled about, I would have punched myself in the face mm-hmm. or whoever you are telling me that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. both of them are <laughs> I mean, that's really not, good that, in this. That's not the end of the, the giant cast of people oh, no. that show up in this. No, it's not just at all. That those two are, you know notable because they've just been mostly phoning it in or doing worse for a while <laughs> doing either direct to video slash kids movies yeah. voice work what you know you name it mm-hmm. um but yeah give these guys a role and they will fucking nail it yep and they both do mm-hmm. eddie murphy is uh 
it, it's interesting how early on he adopts the Dolomite character. I mean, it, it basically starts where he's working in a record store and there's not a lot about it's not one of those movies that starts like, oh, he was a kid. And then he, right, you know, right. it's just he's a guy. He's working in a record store. He came out to L.A. to make a name for himself. Didn't make it. Yeah. All he's doing is like he's a manager at a record store. Yeah. He's, he's bugging Snoop Dogg, who's like the in-store the DJ. In-store DJ. <laughs> but I mean, they also I think it sounds like they also broadcast out. Yeah, it was somewhat somewhat. But uh, he's always bugging him to play his records. And he's like, no. Yeah. Get out of here. Not doing that. Um, And but he is like uh, emceeing a. Uh, other acts like he's basically coming up and being like all right coming to the stage and filling time and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know but telling real hackneyed jokes exactly and the yeah. audience does not give a no, shit they do not um, um but yeah he's just like i i came out here to make it this is crazy and he's got kind of a a, a posse of friends he's got craig robinson mm-hmm. and mike epps and uh that's basically it to start with and then he, he gathers some others along the way but like they're also in the club like craig robinson's playing in the band i don't I don't know that we ever see what Mike Epps is. Like, yeah, what, what, what was his gig before he? He's just friend of Rudy right, Ray Moore. That's what I mean. It's it, just like they he, keep mentioning he he must work in like a clothing store or something because he's always in charge of he does fashions. Get, he, yeah, he does get the nice stuff. Yeah, but yeah, and uh, oh, Titus Burgess is the other member of their little. He also just works in the record store, but they're kind of like the ones hanging out. I, I get the feeling like he probably didn't like move out at the same time you know or whatever right. but it's just like there are you know they all came out to make something of themselves and, and it didn't work not working for him at least no so. but uh, a homeless dude wanders into the record store one day and uh eddie murphy is tasked with getting him out but he is performing he is he is homeless man beatboxing <laughs> whatever you want to soliloquying you know doing he's basically doing a dolomite routine mm-hmm. and this piques eddie murphy's interest and basically what he ends up doing is going down to Hobo Alley and spreading out some money and just recording all the hobos, <laughs> getting their their wild stories and their old timey jokes and stuff. Yep. And he just creates a character out of that. Yeah, pretty he much. He just seizes an opportunity. He's like, well, you think th-? he asks his friends, like, do you think this would be funny? And they're like, yeah, but who's going to do it? You you're not going to. Nah. And he just does it. Mm-hmm. He just he just he. He transcribes the tapes and punches up the punchlines and then just gets in front of a mirror and the Dolomite character just comes out. Yep. And it's like from that point on, I'm like, okay, Eddie Murphy is doing it. He's he's fallen right into the role. Um, he is. The weird thing about it is that he is infinitely more char- charismatic than Rudy Ray Moore was. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean. So that's a problem because it when they get to the point where they're making the movie it's like man eddie murphy is charismatic as fuck but no one in that movie was so yeah i mean from there it's just off and running he's he mm-hmm. makes comedy records and just goes through the whole process of no one wants this record it's, yeah, too it's filthy just it's, and, it's just you know him doing it all himself like i yeah. will borrow a couple hundred bucks and record this comedy album in my living room with an yeah. audience um i mean he goes on stage and gets you know some laughs and you know knows yeah. it's a it's not like he just like I made this character. Let me make an album. He goes and and to his open mic thing and just fucking kills. Yes. And then he's like, well, obviously we got to commit this to to record. Yeah. And then takes it to record stores. They don't want it, so he begins selling it out of his trunk. It's you know, it's your classic like rags to riches. Like you know, it is. It's it's selling your wares on the street corner kind of thing. It's almost a two act movie in that it is just the rise of comedy album Dolomite, and then. He gets the idea to make a movie and everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. That's it's basically it. It's a two part story. Yeah. Um, and 
but like that that goes well and pretty well i mean he's he's selling it and then like uh, this this it goes well enough for what he's trying to do which is just sell it locally out of his trunk he's doing quite well yeah um and some record low rent record execs hear about it and get involved yeah and you know because he's been he's been passed over a couple times because it's too profane you can't play that i can't get it on the radio i can't sell it you know um but yeah this this kind of low rent record studio signs him and it just continues his rise he he goes on the the tour the circuit Mm -hmm. traveling the country yeah just playing like shit little clubs really but i mean people are still digging it and everyone i mean look he seizes on something that is wildly popular wherever he goes. It's not like he's on Carson or anything doing this sure. and it's killing, but he's going to these small clubs and doing this act and people love it and yep. they buy his albums and it's a big hit for him in his little circle of wherever he is. It it doesn't radiate, radiate out far from where he is at any given time, but wherever he goes, he kills. Mm-hmm. It's just he's he's a successful blip on a radar it's it's just he's he's got a very limited scope yeah <laughs> but people within that range are like this is great yeah and he's he's out doing that and he meets um uh lady reed mm-hmm. who's in the movie and whatnot and so there's kind of like a story there and then basically he's just out like why it has that ebb and flow thing it's sort of like maybe it's a hustle and it's flow. a hustle yeah, flow, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know it's same like director he, by the way yeah he's uh he's doing he's doing well as far as like he you know it keeps spinning up like he's making a new cover you know here's a new cover to the next album so he's making album after album but he like he's in these little like clubs out in out in cow barns mm-hmm. or out cow fields and things like that mm-hmm. and you know getting on the radio and making georgia woohoo you know things like that but yeah. they basically like you know it's like it just about the time he's like, is this am I, am I really successful? Am I doing well here? They call and they're like, you're on the billboard charts. Get back here. We got, right. you know, I make, think, we got to make more. Yeah, records. I think that was actually like the where that begins. The oh, we're making more records. Yeah. and This is actually popular um, thing. And then it's just again, it's it's sort of still like when the, the record execs are involved, they're still kind of having to sneak sell the records in like his record store and stuff like that. It's still. It seems under like the it, radar. Yeah, it's still, still, still like it's not going to be in like Tower Records or whatever the hell was the big thing of the day. Whatever yeah. you know, it's it's still, still like an underground record kind of thing. But and then they're kind of celebrating like, hey, we're doing pretty well. We're on the Billboard charts. Uh, let's go see a movie. Yeah, and they just go see. Um, they go see the front page. Yeah, yeah, and they're just like, what the fuck is this shit? Like <laughs> the, the the crowd's enjoying it, and they're just sitting there like, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't funny. There's well, it's no just, titties. It's just some white shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, basically what it's they come just up with. Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau doing their thing, and it doesn't connect with with them. Nope. Uh, and then he's basically just like he, he looks. He has a, a moment of like seeing the rays of light come from the projection booth, and he's then they basically go outside, and he's like, "I need to do that. Yeah. I need to be in a movie, and I'll be across the." That's you know, how I get. Yeah. Why would, everywhere. Why, would I, why would I travel and entertain fifty people in a shitty club when mm-hmm. I can just be in every theater in America and yep. be big that way? So then it's just. From there, it's like okay, it let's cobble together a movie. It be, it becomes Edward basically, mm-hmm. and the only difference is how it ends, <laughs> because Edward never gets the the celebration right. that happens at the end of this. But yeah, they he finds a screenwriter who's uh, Keegan Michael Keegel Keegan Michael Key. That's mm-hmm. wow, I don't know that I've ever tried to say his name <laughs> out loud. It's, <laughs> it's confusing. Uh, but no, he's you know I want to be like serious dramatic uh playwright playwright kind of guy and stuff and then he just kind of 
with his Rudy Ray Mortis talks him into like, no, we're going to tell the stories of the streets. And like, why would you again? Why would you make these plays that 30 people are sitting in the yeah. black box theater watching when you can make a movie and the whole country will see it? And he's like, yeah, you make some good points. Mm-hmm. And so now immediately he's on board. Like, yep. you know, there's a, f- a few moments of like him being like, but I am a true dramatic writer that it's. He's like, nah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but they're basically like cobbling together the story in a hotel room. And that's when, you know, they come up with the idea. They never, you know, of course, you don't really show the writing process, just them spitballing ideas. And that's when he's like, yeah, we need Kung Fu and this and, you know, exercise. And you're like, hold up. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You can't put this all in one movie. Write what you know. And he's like, yeah, well, all what? I know is nightclubs yeah, and, and mob and, and hustling and flowing. And, and you just light goes yeah. off in his eye. He's like, yeah. yes, that. Yeah, OK, that. yeah, let's do that story. So, yeah. That's yeah. basically what happens. They, uh, I believe they get all excited again. Like, hey, we, you know, we've secured because he basically goes to his record people and bargains away his future royalties against getting funded for the movie. Because once again, like thirty thousand dollars yeah. to fund the movie. So, like once again, it's like you know he has to do it himself and you know putting everything on the line. And they're kind of celebrating, like, yeah, all right, we got the funding and everything. And they go to a strip club, and that's where they just happen to run into Jorvel Martin. <laughs> Who is the co-star if you and slash director of the movie, if, in case you don't remember. Right. And he is played by Wesley Snipes. Uh-huh. Uh, and this version, I don't know if it's Derville Martin, but whatever he's doing is highly entertaining. I, I have seen several Derville Martin films. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I could if I saw him, I would be like, that's Derville Martin. I know him enough to where I could do that. I don't know jack shit about him personally. And now I am totally fascinated by Derville Martin. Yeah, it's because Wesley Snipes is amazing. He he's <laughs> if I had to describe him, it's like he has got the pomp and, and fence of somebody like Anthony Perkins. You know, yeah. I'm just saying like that kind of like effeminate swishiness, but then like he will snap into full on hood brother in a second is the best way I can say it. Like Roddy McDowellish yeah, kind of just like that. Oh, you know, I'm an actor and I've right. worked in all these major films. And then like, someone to be like, yeah, what you were the elevator operator and <laughs> Rosemary's baby's like, I will fuck you up. And it's just like, Oh, okay. But anyway, back to my, yes. you know, like you know, my stage presence. Like, yeah. You know, it is. It's just, it's kind of amazing. Cause he just, he snaps in between and, the movie never like explicitly goes like oh he's got a problem but like every scene he no. is drinking yes like it's just like he has a he has a flask like just about every scene and is kind of like doing his he has a tiny bottle of orange juice that he fucking fills with <laughs> vodka right <laughs> but i mean that's that's just part of the charm of this character is that he's kind you know just kind of explosive and like he'll switch personalities on a whim but it's like most of the time he is just sitting back sort of disconnected from this all with that yeah. attitude of like I'm better than this but also they said I could direct and I mean I'm, I'm just Irville Martin no one's gonna else is gonna let me direct so I'll mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. so he's like he's got this pomp like he's a bigger known actor than he is but then yeah. he's just he's in fucking and making Dolomite and mm-hmm. so it's just for the rest of the movie it's like okay we're filming a scene well he cobbles together like a film school crew basically and uh, Cody Smith McPhee is one of them he's God, that dude is tall as shit now. Like, yeah, I, I think the last thing I remember him was like he was Nightcrawler when he was like kid, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, dude, you're like seven foot tall. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he is a tall, gangly motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, it's just, you know, it's a bunch of UCLA film school kids. And and he basically he plays a cinematographer we have seen on numerous occasions in BAMCAST movies. Uh, Nicholas von Sternberg. OK, uh, he is 
direct. He has been the DP on several of our films. All he, right. He might have done the great helicopter chase or the oh. heli- whatever the fuck that. Yeah, skycopter. Skycopter chase. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like when they said his name, I was like, oh right, yeah, he did this, mm-hmm. and also wow, okay. <laughs> Because every time his name pops up in the credits of a movie we're watching, we're like, oh, the great Nicholas von Steinbeck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So, but anyway. yeah. So, and he, as far as where to film, he has secured, because when he was in Hobo Alley, you know, recording their stuff, the the guys were like, oh, this place has changed. Like, this over here used to be the, the Paramount, you know, highest echelon of black entertainment was this mm-hmm. hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, Louis Armstrong, all these guys used to play there and now look at it. It's a fucking like junkie den. Basically it's been, right. you know, shuttered. So Rudy Ray Moore makes this bargain of like becoming the caretaker of this place so that he can kick all the, you know, the hobos and junkies out and like have this hotel with all of these various assorted rooms and yeah, locations to free, sh- you know, shoot free. And it'll be Dolomite studios. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what they do. They have a cleaning up the Muppet Studio montage where they all like kick the hobos out. And actually, when the film students showed up, they're all so fucking gangly 70s that I was like, oh, are the junkies trying to come back in? <laughs> yeah, and, and I actually thought that. And I was like, like the junkies came in like, hey, they took her heroin p- pad. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's the film school students. And they're just like, uh, are we in the right place? And uh, yeah. yes, come on in, you know. And they don't even have power, so there's a whole thing where they rewire, they steal power from the pole and get this place up and going. And then it's just film bits scenes, of yeah, scenes scenes you remember from Dolomite and and or and human, human tornado. tornado. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and and it's, and it's just a constant conflict of like Derville Martin being like, "What the fuck are we doing?" And although on occasion he's so drunk, he's like, "That's great." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so sometimes, and then yeah. like, and then just you know them taking serious scenes of the script and uh keegan michael key just being like oh i wrote a dramatic thing what did why did you turn it comedic and mm-hmm. you know like the sex scene and all that stuff and mm-hmm. so yeah and then they just they just fucking finish basically i mean you know there's small bits of drama along the way like they run out of money at one point so he has to go beg borrow some more money because yeah. they literally run out of film but yeah it's just it's basically just one of those now we're filming a scene you may remember from this movie mm-hmm we will try to be close to accurate mm-hmm. to how you remember it, but it's also Eddie Murphy, so he's a lot funnier. Yeah, <laughs> and he he quite literally does the bowfinger turn to the camera thing, like the exact same framing at one point in time. Yeah. You know, yeah. except instead of Heather Graham's boobs, it's I don't remember what it was. It, it's uh, he asks uh, Wesley Snipes if it was as good as Shaft, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> and he just turns the camera, goes, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's it's basically an Ed Wood production. It's just it's terrible, but everyone is so happy to be there and on board with it that mm-hmm. they are just giddy. Uh, yeah. And so it, it when they wrap the film, Turfell Martin is just like, well, smell you later. I'm out. Yeah, I've been called by I'm going to be on Black Caesar with Fred Williamson. You know, fuck you guys yes. i'll see you at the premiere oh wait you're not even gonna have a premiere right anyway fuck Le- off fucking leaves like they haven't they, all they did was finish shooting they haven't done anything else oh, he's like i'm done <laughs> he's just bye and, and it, they all just kind of look around like huh <laughs> and it also it actually seems like he leaves into the middle of the hotel yeah like from the geography we've seen it's, <laughs> it's he, like he opens the big door into the yeah. kitchen but yeah but no we never see him again nope. i don't think yeah no we don't <laughs> yeah. he's gone yeah <laughs> But yes, apparently they edited the movie together at some point in time because it's then, you know, I, I like that they don't linger on too many. Like the thing I like about Craig Brewer's movies, besides when he's making remake shit, is like hmm. um, it it has an interesting mode of pacing. Like it, it 
it stops and slow down, slows down for moments you wouldn't normally in other like biopic or other drama type things and, and shows you those mm-hmm. and just kind of whirls past the things it's like that are cliched because I could see in any other movie like this, you know, him, we get like one phone call and it's like the last uh, studio rejecting his movie. Right. And it basically just it just shows a list that he was crossing off like the very lowest name. Crown, you know, getting, International Crown International is the last one to reject yeah. it. <laughs> Makers of Van Nuys Boulevard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, you know, obviously MGM and all the other things passed. So it's yeah, like... Yeah, because the list starts with like Universal, right, right. <laughs> MGM. But I, I like that like so many other movies, it would have just been... Now that I'm not saying there aren't cameos of plenty in this movie, but like this would have been the section of the movie where it's like, all right, here's our meeting with Universal and mm. somebody making a cameo, or right. and here's MGM with a different office and somebody making a cameo. Right. Any other like biopic like this, it, or whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, would have that would have been totally like the way they would have done that. But mm-hmm. this is just like, nah, screw all that. Of course they rejected Dolomite, so you know, yeah. and here he is like back to, I have this movie completed and nobody wants to buy it. So mm-hmm. he. He's on the radio to promote. Uh, he's just he's back on tour. Yeah, he's back on tour doing his Dolomite thing in in, in clubs and because is, all the money now goes to the record company, mm-hmm. so he has to go out do appearances, sell yeah. Dolomite yo-yos and right <laughs> t-shirts. But yeah, he gets a call. Yeah. And, well, he well you get well he goes on the radio show mm-hmm. um with who's Chris Rock and it was like the other DJ in this yeah and um. He's basically just like, so when's the movie coming out? Or did you actually make a movie and when's it coming out? He's like, I can't really tell you that. And basically goes off the air and is like, what, why the fuck aren't you telling me things? I'm trying to help you promote. And he's like, like, bitch, I am trying to promote you. Yeah. He's like, I, I, cause I can't sell the movie. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well I have a uncle or something. That yeah. Call owns, my uncle. <laughs> he owns a movie theater. Maybe he can work with you. Mm-hmm. And so basically this guy's just like, yeah, give me 500 bucks. You buy the, you know, you'll to show the movie. You keep all the box office. Yeah. If you do enough hustling, you'll. You know, you'll make lots of money. And yes. so he does. He has he, his own little premiere and fills the fucking theater. Mm-hmm. And this gets uh, the film gets noticed in the trades. Mm-hmm. And this is what leads to. Well, yeah, because it was a 98 percent buyout for right. a the- one theater. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, wait a second. What? <laughs> yeah. So Dimension Pictures, uh, which is <laughs> led by Bob Odenkirk. Uh-huh. Uh, who originally passed on the film, they're like, they now smell money, of course, and so they bring them in, and it's, you know, we we would like to basically distribute your movie, and Rudy Ray Moore is just basically like, ah, I know what you white people do, you steal from black people, and eventually just Bob Odenkirk explains that he's seen the movie by just making a reference to it, and Rudy Ray Moore's like, we're in, let's do this, mm-hmm. and then it's, you know, big premiere. Have have the big L.A. premiere. Yep. Which is just, you know, they all, you know, it's the limo ride to the premiere and they're all just reading the trades, which mm-hmm. are, of course, the critics are trashing the movie. They are. And they're all just like, well, whatever happens, you know, the real the real movie, the real Dolomite was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, whatever happens, we're still winners kind of thing. And of course, they get to the to the theater and it's just swarmed with people. So, yes. you know, it's the swelling music like it's a big hit. Ta-da. Look what we you, did. You win Dolomite. Yep. Dolomite won. Yeah. And and then it's kind of a sweet ending because like they all, you know, kind of get out of the limo and are going to the theater like, yeah, all right, we're cool. Like people and, you know, of course, they go crazy for Rudy Ray Moore. Mm-hmm. And then like he just like the the theater guys like, you know, like, yeah, we were sold out at least till the midnight showing. We may even have to have a 2 a.m. showing. Yeah. None of those people out there can get in. Yeah. He's like, so, you know, they're probably going to wait out there. And so he just goes out and starts entertaining the crowd. Like, hey, I know you can't get in to see the theater or see the movie, but 
you know, here. You want to hear some Dolomite yeah. shit? <laughs> and there's one kid who's like, shouldn't be a Dolomite fan, but is, and he gives him his cane and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, sweet. Now yeah. I'm Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a sweet, you know, ending where it all kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to Dolomite mm-hmm. for it all working out. This, yeah. this movie makes me feel bad. Why is that? Because I don't like Dolomite. Oh. <laughs> See, and I like this movie a lot because I was okay with Dolomite. Yeah. I mean, I did not like the... Um, what the fuck is the devil one? The Petey Wheatstraw. Petey, Petey Wheatstraw. I was yeah. like, Petey, Petey... Yeah, I was getting there. Yeah, I, I don't like that one, okay. but I do... I. I at least appreciate the other Dolomite movies in some form or fashion. I do not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in particular, like his comedy act is just the worst. I can't stand it. Okay. This movie made me realize, and I'm like this with a lot of things, but not everything is for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as someone who has carved out the the tiniest little portion of the internet for themselves to do a, a thing that... A handful of people enjoy sure i understand that kind of like desire to have a few dozen people go man you're awesome mm-hmm. i get that so i i in no way care for his comedy act mm-hmm. but i this movie gives me a kind of connection to him where i was rooting for him rooting ray moore for the rest of the film <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's i mean it's like I was saying, though, the, the problem with the, for me, and it's not really a problem, but it's just like the second half of the film is Ed Wood with a different ending, which is just, oh, my God, you're great. Mm-hmm. People, well, not great, but we enjoy this. We are enjoying you. He, take our money, please. <laughs> Ed Wood never had that kind of like, oh, wow, this is great, Ed Wood. You're so good. It was just, man, we're really into making these really bad films. <laughs> yeah, so it is... This is a this is a very good movie, mm-hmm. a very good movie. It's very entertaining, acted to, to hell and back. I mean, it is it is very well performed. I was worried that it was going to have that kind of weird digital look to it, to where it's like we've tried to manipulate it to make it look like it's the seventies. Mm. I think they do a good job of realistically conveying that it's. A 70s movie um well i mean yeah i mean i i i agree i really i really like this movie too um but then like i said i've i've liked most of what craig brewer's done he hasn't made a ton of things mm-hmm. but what he's done i've quite enjoyed I've, I've i've gone on record multiple times that i adore hustle and flow mm-hmm. um i mean black snake black snake moan is interesting uh it is worth one viewing <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is worth watching it's it's a strange one um but yeah, and like the Footloose remake, it's fine. It's just completely unnecessary yeah, kind of thing. Um, but like this is great, and and I was gonna, I was getting to like when I brought up Black Snake Moan, like mm-hmm. that's one of those weird movies. It it has a color color palette that like looks like it's trying to be in the past, like even though it's it's not really like it's that's not part of its plot. It just kind of looks like a seventies grindhouse movie, mm-hmm. and I think that's intentional because it kind of is this weird strange movie that's supposed to have that look and yeah i mean hustle and flow is is gritty and looks you know good in its own way but like this yeah this is this looks accurate without trying to do some kind of weird like oh well we've got to digitally color the film like it's 70s kodak print you know or something like that Mm -hmm. um yeah 
just want to note as I'm browsing the trivia on IMDb, the, an actual useful bit of trivia. It's usually pedantic, but uh, this was Eddie Murphy's first R-rated film since Life. Oh. 1999. Mm. 20 goddamn years. Huh. That's insane. Yeah, it is, because that's, <laughs> that's the Eddie Murphy we've all wanted. Yeah. He's great. I mean, he's he's absolutely... Like I said, him and Wesley Snipes in this are, are fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just by watching the end credits, uh, Craig Robinson was actually singing those songs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Craig Robinson's a hell of a musician. Okay. Yeah. His, his singing voice is quite different from his speaking voice, and so when his character would start talking, I was like, well, who do they no, get to sing? Every time you've ever seen him, like, I mean, he sings in almost everything he does. I know. He did it on The Office all the yeah, time, a hot tub, high time machine. I you... know. <laughs> it just... I, Remember it, when I, he did Lisa Loeb? <laughs> not he what? No, not like did he? Y- Lucky yeah, fucker! Yeah. I, have, I, have nine, I have nine different stories to tell about that. Now. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, four jocks. I'm gonna give it four jocks. Okay. I, 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 it's again not a movie really that suited to our scale, but it you know it's yeah. it's, it's terrific. You should you should definitely watch it. And who the fuck doesn't have Netflix? So. Yep, I I, I agree. There's there's not. There's not anything that pushes it higher. It's just a it's a quality film, and yeah, it doesn't doesn't really work on our scale because it's not like oh my god this and that and yeah craziness here. It's it's just it's just a damn fine motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is it is a quality production of events that we have seen in the worst possible ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I just wish there had been some monkey hustle in it. <laughs> I just wanted to see someone play off it. <laughs> Hmm. Or if they just would have brought Yafit in and put a wig on him or something, and <laughs> make him seventies Yafit. But oh well. Uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It is good. Yes, I mean especially if you've seen Dolomite. Which I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Dolomite, what the hell are you doing? Go watch Dolomite, then listen to our Dolomite episode, then watch this movie, then listen to this episode. How's that? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Is that the proper series of events? Yes, it's a really good time to tell them to listen to this episode at the end of this episode. Right. Yes. Yeah. Listen yeah. to this after. Like, you know, people are always just like going to the last minute or two of a thing and going like, when should I listen should to I this? Should I listen to this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we were here to set them straight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so four jocks from you also? Uh-huh. Okay. Great. Super. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's this week's episode. Thanks you guys for being here. Uh, thank you for giving us money to uh, debut our our films on the big screen. No, I mean to debut our podcasts about films debuting on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that at patreon.com slash bmfcast. Uh, we're always hustling to get a dollar from you. So give us a dollar. <laughs> That's how that works. Uh, we will be back next week with another motion picture. And a podcast to follow. Indeed. Yes. So until then, I'm Chuck. And I'm Harlow. And this is Bamcast Extra Network.